This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Yeah, it's race week, guys, and we're going to talk a lot about the Daytona 500 NASCAR president, Steve Phelps. But before we get to that, let's just do a beat if we can. Our buddy Lynchy was a little bit under the weather in surgery on Monday, so we didn't get to talk to him about the Super Bowl. Lynchy, I'm going to start with you. Your boy, Tom Brady, coming through, but not a lot of people watched it. Yeah, well, a lot of people in Boston watched it. Yeah. They had a pretty, pretty good rating. <laughs> it's hard to believe. I mean, it was the second highest Super Bowl rating in, in, in Boston history, uh, next to uh, one of the ones that Brady won. I can't remember which one it was. So the rating was know, 58 or 59. Uh, but around the country, I'm a little bit surprised about that because it's a classic matchup. It's, yeah. Uh, it's Ali Frazier. It's Russell Chamberlain. It's, um, you know... It's 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 big, and I'm surprised that nationally it didn't uh, hook on to a lot of people. But in this case, uh, I feel like Michael Barr, maybe one of the reasons that the ratings ultimately were crummy is because it was meant to be a heavyweight fight. But then, you know, Brady kind of figuratively kind of punched Mahomes in the mouth, and, and he was reeling throughout. I mean, this was not a close game. As the late head coach Hank Stram said about the game, they're flat as hell. And yeah. that's pretty much what happened with this game. I mean, it started out flat, and it and then the second half went downhill. I'm I'm sorry to say that because, you know, it's the you know, you you had your Duke's all up ready to to watch this and it and it's all hyped up and I was part of the hype myself. Yeah. And it just came out flat, and it went worse, and KC didn't score one touchdown, and that was that. Yeah. And so, Lynchy, just since we since we have you on this, I mean, put this performance from a career perspective, from a Brady career perspective, in context for us, because, you know, the GOAT debate seems to have been fully settled but i have to think people in boston are talking about the well was it bill or was it tom maybe it was tom (laughs) yeah the needle is moving towards uh tom brady right now but that that, that's been a weekly debate around here yeah uh when he started his first uh, game with with tampa bay um to me it historically it, it 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 draws great similarities to his first super bowl win uh, he wasn't the starting quarterback when the season began. He didn't have a lot of reps, if any, with the first team. When he took over for Drew Bledsoe uh, in the middle of game number two, and then when they, they lost to the Rams in November, they were 5-5. Five and five. Yeah. And then from that last November, they went 9-0 and oh the rest of the way. Unbelievable. He comes down, comes down to Tampa. It's very similar because no OTAs, no preseason, no, no preseason games. He really doesn't get to work with the team. And they struggle to 7-5. and five. And they hit the bye week, and they win eight in a row. Yeah. So it's almost like almost an identical performance. They were 
Uh, they weren't heavy underdogs against Kansas City, but basically Kansas City was the greatest show on turf like the Rams were in the 2002 Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, interesting comparison for sure. Well, one of the things we did get to see in Tampa was fans in the stands, and for those of us here in the greater New York metro area, Governor Cuomo came through this week and said... Barclays Center is going to open on February 23rd for Brooklyn Nets versus the Sacramento Kings. Michael Parr, that feels like a pretty big deal for sports fans and for sports teams who maybe get a little bit at least of that revenue back. It's a big deal for people in the New York area because we here have not had any fans in the stands. And Mr. Cuomo, the Governor Cuomo, he said, if you have a venue that has at least 10,000 seats, you can bring in 10% right. of the crowd in there. Now, now what makes this different with New York, and, and the governor has said this, everybody goes in and gets tested uh, and with contact tracing and all the, the other things. So that's they tried it out with the Buffalo Bills game, right. and it worked well. So now they're going to expand it. Yeah, so we'll see uh, what that brings. I mean, we are on a good path here, it feels like. I'm knocking on every piece of wood uh, in front of me. So other good news is, especially for Michael Barr, racing is back. (laughs) And while Lynchy and I weren't available on Monday, Michael Barr took the proverbial ball and ran with it and caught up with Kevin Harvick. Let's listen in. It's no different than, than having a fantasy football team. You look at that fantasy football team, and I watch my players and, and where they are and what they do and try to figure out how many points they score, and, and the betting goes hand-in-hand hand with that as you know, you're know you watching the, the event and, and seeing where, you're, uh, where your guy is and, and how you're going to fare and what you thought was going to happen. So I, you know, it just adds another good element to everything we have going on. So just a taste of Michael Barr's interview with Kevin Harvick talking about sports betting, coming to NASCAR, being much more uh, deeply involved. I mean – yeah, th- this is like bar heaven, bar. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we got to talking about that, and and I said, listen, man, my my fantasy uh, football team didn't turn out too well. And he said, yeah, well, you, you probably had the same problems I had with my team. I, I love it. it. It is great. The whole interview is great, and he talks about a number of things. Uh, and if you can, listen to that podcast, the entire podcast, uh, just very entertaining Kevin Harvick. Today, we are talking a very timely conversation with NASCAR president Steve Phelps. Barr, how excited are you right now? <laughs> There's a meme out there that says, the Super Bowl, all that means to me, it's one week away from the Daytona 500. That's what <laughs> this means to me. I, I, I love it. I can't wait. So, Steve, we're really happy to, to have you with us. What does this week mean? I mean, that's a great place to start. You know, the, the context, the timing of this race, this year, this season, help give us some perspective. Yeah, listen, for us, uh, for starters, it's great to be with you guys. I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, every year the Daytona 500 is, you know, it's our Super Bowl, right? Um, and it is a starting your season with the biggest race of the year is, I know it's unusual to people, but that's the way our schedule works. And it kicks off a, a long season. So 36 uh, points uh, paying events. And it's a, uh, this is a spectacular race each and every year. I mean, it's a special place. It's an iconic 
uh, venue, and then the racing's always fantastic. So it's um, and kicking off 2021 after what was an extraordinary 2020 for us is really uh, it, it's just very gratifying. It's fantastic getting back to racing. Steve, I was very fortunate enough to talk to Kevin Harvick earlier in the week, and we were talking about running the season during COVID-19. And when you think about it, racing itself is one of the best sports during that time because all the drivers are in their cocoon. It's not like you know they're on a football field where there's contact or basketball or whatever. Everybody is in their in their race car, uh, and you guys did a heck of a job uh, during the COVID nineteen. What do you expect for this season? Yeah, to your point, Michael. You know, if you think about one of the reasons why we're the first sport back uh, to competition was because of kind of that built in PPE that not just our race car drivers have that are in their own cocoons and you know their um, metal boxes, but you have the crews that are also in helmets and gloves and fire suits. And uh, it's, it it is unnatural. So we have a competitive advantage versus other sports, which is fantastic. We took advantage of that first sport back with fans uh, or without fans, then are the first sport back with fans. It's, uh, it's gratifying. So as we head into 2021, we're going to experience much of the same, right? So the back half of the season, we started to invite fans in more, you know, larger numbers. Um, our numbers conform to CDC guidelines, so it really depends on the size of the venue, um, how many people that we'll have in the stands, but it'll be the same. So we have a bubble or a footprint. If you're not essential, you don't go into the bubble. You don't go into that footprint. I clearly am not essential, so I stay on the other side, on the side where the fans are, um, and it's worked for us, right? We have, we have a formula um, that worked in 2020, and we think it's going to work well in 2021. Steve, tell me about the different hurdles you have. Uh, you go state to state every every single week, a different state, and some states are, you know, have larger capacities for fans. Some have none at all. And uh, how far out do you have to? Have you already like mapped everything out through the through the course of this regular uh, season? We have. You know, I think last year was um, a lot of learning for us, and so I talked to more governors last year than I care to 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 tell you. Um, it, it, but it was important, right? They're welcoming us into their states, and we need to make sure that our own competitors are safe, our own um, race fans are safe, but also the communities in which we in which we go. And so we are very um, we're very cognizant of that, and it's and it's important, right? So Governor Sununu up in New Hampshire, he was concerned about the people in his state, and so we had to figure out guidelines about how we would get in there and so we had a modified quarantine that allowed us not to have our race you know our race teams our drivers our crews uh, our officials not be in contact with people in the in the state of new hampshire and we had to do that from state to state to state some states a lot easier here in the state of florida governor DeSantis is you know a very hey it's open let's go uh, and other governors are not like that, and that's okay. And I'm not saying one is right and one's wrong, but us conforming to um, to the local state uh, health officials and governors and county managers, et cetera, et cetera, we had to do all of that. We'll do that again. But fortunately, we are, to your point, Mike, we are we are mapped out. 
um, and we are in good shape in uh, you know for the rest of the season. Now, if something changes, we will, as we did last year, we adapt, we change, and, and we pivot to uh, to a new direction. And so, Steve, I, I would imagine there are similar negotiations that you have to have, or similar but different and distinct with the individual teams and things like that. I mean. I don't know. I, I do not claim to know half as much as uh, Michael Barr knows about NASCAR, but I do feel like I understand some of the mechanics of the teams, and they're like corporations in some ways, and they sure. have their own sort of wants and needs. Tell us about you know how you sort of get everybody on the same page when you are having to pivot sometimes week to week. Yeah, that's a really good question. It's not just the race teams. It's you know our, our tire manuf- manufacturer Goodyear as well. Because you bring a different race tire to different racetracks, and if those tires are are not made because you thought you were going to a short track and you're going to a road course, that's a problem. Um, and so it's really a coordinating with our race teams to have them understand where we're going because they're building race cars, and you build race cars differently for you know the Daytona 500 than you will build for you know Homestead Miami two weeks later. It's just not a each track is different, different tires, different cars, um, and so they need to know in advance what it is they're building. So it's a coordinated effort between our competition people and the race teams and uh, Goodyear to make sure that everyone understands where we are. And if there needs to be a change because, hey, there are not, not enough ICU hospital beds, um, it, trauma, um, we need to make sure that we are not racing there because we need to make sure our competitors and, and crews are going to be safe. And so it's um, we monitor these things well in advance and, and see how things are tracking. So, but it's um, yeah, it's not easy. But we proved last year that we can do it. Um, and it doesn't mean we're not going to have any hurdles this year. We are going to have. We don't know what they are at this particular point. But you know, when they're presented to us, we'll we'll get over them. So, Steve, you know, we've talked about a little bit about fans. I'm guessing we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. But I also want to talk to you about sponsors and sort of the conversations with them over the course of 2020 and getting into 2021. It's a different product in some ways, and yet it's not so different. So so what are those conversations about? Our approach from a sponsor standpoint, Jason, was um... – we wanted to make sure that we were as flexible as we could. So we wanted to make sure that if a sponsor felt that they got full value, that you know they would, you know, we would ask for them for the full amount of the sponsorship. If they felt because they couldn't do hospitality or they were compromised in some way with what the delivery was um, because of the COVID restrictions, then we would have conversations with them about that too. We, we did the same thing on the fan side. We want to make sure that the fans, our sponsors, everyone feels good about how they were treated by NASCAR. So when um, you know, when the, it opens up again and we're able to have full grandstands and hospitality and different things that you know we had before, garage access, pit road access, then it, it, they're excited about where things are. What I would say is because we had such a fantastic year, you know, our ratings were better, frankly, than any other major sport. Mm. Um, and it wasn't because we were the first back. I, I'll go back to that period of time in September and October where th- every sport was playing. First time ever that it happened. Every single major sport was playing. And then you had some one-off uh, you know, opportunities, right, That you know, sporting events that happened. But during that time period, there was one sport whose ratings 
were up, and that that was NASCAR, um, and that says a lot about, I think, where the product is, and the new fans that we're bringing into this sport. Uh, and it says something for our sponsors, right? Because they were able to get some significant value from a visibility standpoint. I want to, since we're talking about ratings, I want to bring up a little history here uh, and why I'm so excited about the 500 as a little boy. I mean, I remember it on ABC, uh, and I remember seeing it. Uh, the first race I ever saw before my eyes was the uh, 1970 daytona 500 and that's the one that pete hamilton won and i'm like oh my god look at these cars they're going abc back then didn't do flag to flag coverage they they went in live and then came back out it wasn't until 1979 when cbs went flag to flag coverage and that turned the entire sport Mm -hmm. around because they had the, the finish upon finishes with uh, Cale Yarborough and Donnie Allison and Richard Petty wound up winning the race. I bring this up because how has the sport evolved since that moment when NASCAR was changed on the map forever? Yeah, that's obviously an important part uh, in the history of this sport, Michael, that you bring up. Um, you know, you had a, a massive snowstorm <laughs> on the East Coast, uh, Northeast specifically. Um, you had your first ever flag-to-flag coverage, um, you had a big wreck and a, and a fight that breaks out. Um, I, it just it was great drama um, that kind of propelled the sport to a different place. If you fast forward to where we are now, um, you know, things look much different, right? The, the broadcast television looks a lot different than it did then, and you have all these different other options, streaming and cable and uh, all these uh, surfaces that um, are there because that's where people want to be, right? So consumers consume sports differently than they did in 1979. And we need to make sure that we are doing the same, right? We want to make sure that we meet that fan, whether it's an avid fan or casual fan or a potential fan where they are. Um, and then the promise that we are making to our fans is that we're going to give you great racing. So, if you're an avid fan, you get great racing, and you've got a you know we've completely changed our schedule. The most aggressive schedule we've had in actually since 1969 um, that we are going to be racing this year, and our fans are thrilled, and I am too as a fan. It's it's going to be incredible. I mean, we had a change on Tuesday night at the Clash, uh, which was done on the road course for the first time instead of being done on the oval. And that's exciting. And that's what fans want. They want schedule variation. Steve, in addition to COVID-19 last year, you had a number of other hurdles you had to deal with, uh, social justice, uh, awareness of Black Lives Matter, um, and the Confederate flag issue. Um, Do you see a smoother path this year with those issues, uh, having uh, gone through it and and learned a little bit in the offseason? Yeah, listen, Mike, I think the the good news for us is that we had a stage in, in early to mid-June, um, you know, after the death of, of George Floyd. And we needed to do something. We, we thought it was important for our sport, uh, and frankly, for the country, to do something. Um, and so that moment, we had a uh, – the drivers had done a video, which was fantastic, um, really talking about listening and learning and educating. And, um, and I had a – you know, I did a thing over the PA um, to our industry and, and to the – Fox audience that talked about listening, learning, doing better. 
Uh, and then we had this. Then shortly thereafter, uh, we banned the Confederate flag at all of our facilities at NASCAR racetracks, not just the ones that we own, but any track that we race, no Confederate flags. And then we had a, the incident with Bubba Wallace and, and Talladega with the news. Um, and that was an important part in the history of NASCAR. Um, and I think it showed a lot of people that we are different than you think we are. So those that are in this sport know who we are, right? That we are not a, a bunch of racists that go to the racetrack. That's, that's not who we are. We are a community that, that is welcoming and inclusive. But we had to show the nation that that's who we were. And that's what we did. And so for us, not just in mid-June or in early June, but what we have done the rest of the year in the areas of social justice, you know, and, and also in diversity, equity, inclusion, um, we're, we're a sport of action. And we are going to continue down the path of being more welcoming and inclusive. Uh, and that's exactly what we're doing. So as we head into 2021 with Michael Jordan as, a, as an owner and Pitbull as an owner um, and, you know, millions, frankly, of new fans, younger and more diverse fans, that's who we are. But we need to keep the action um, that we promised that we were going to do. So one of the things we had said we were going to do is that we we're going to train an entire industry um, in you know, sensitivity um, and unconscious bias training, which is exactly what we did. So every person that is going to be working uh, this weekend at the Daytona 500 um, has been trained in sensitivity and, and unconscious bias. Um, that's important for our sport. We have to make sure that we are a sport of action in this space. And if we continue to do that, we'll continue to get more and more um, you know, people of color who want to participate in this sport. And our fans are fantastic. They want to welcome new fans. It's, it's a, that's, who the, that's what the community is. Uh, people just didn't know it. Talk a little bit about, if you can, the importance of that Jordan-led ownership group. And you mentioned Pitbull as well. I, I mean, that's meaningful, not just from a, a driver perspective. And obviously, Bubba Wallace has been a trailblazer in that regard. But the ownership side, I feel like we're talking more and more about across all professional sports and representation, diverse representation at all levels, at the executive and the ownership level. Tell us how that has, has sort of rippled through your world. Yeah, obviously, it's extraordinarily important for us. Again, another stated goal is that we would have new ownership come into the sport. So we have new th three new owners coming into the sport in 2021. So that's... And, and who the owners are not insignificant as well, right? So you've got, um, you know, Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin as an ownership group. You've got a, a, a young man who was a, who was a driver. Uh, his name is Justin Marks. Um, and uh, having Pitbull be part of his organization uh, has caused a lot of excitement. And then another one called Live Fast with another, another one of our young drivers, a, a young man named Matt Tift, um, being an owner, he and his dad, those are important for us, right? So you've got to, you think about just those three entries. You've got Pitbull and a, a guy who's, I don't know how Justin is, he's probably in his early 40s. You have Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin, who is a, a driver who is 40 and ultimately will transition out. Um, he's at the top of his game right now, but at some point he'll stop racing. And you got Matt Tift, who's, I don't know, 27, 28 years old. We need that, right? You want a diversity of thought. You want a diversity of ownership, um, and that's what we're getting. 
I think that's going to continue as we go into 2022. We have an entirely new race car that's coming called our next-gen car that will be a game-changer for the sport with respect to cost, styling, uh, and the race and the product on the racetrack. It's mm-hmm. going to be a, a phenomenal. It, it's crazy to think how exciting we are, excited we are about 2021. But essentially, it's a bridge year to 2022, which is uh, kind of crazy to think about. I had a chance to talk to Kevin Harvick about now gambling, and there are many online sites in many states uh, that have embraced online gambling, and NASCAR is one sport that is involved. I remember 10 years ago, every sport was shying away from that. It's like, get out of here, dirty man. We don't talk about that at the table. Now every sport is doing it. I would like to ask your thoughts about NASCAR uh, and online gambling. Yeah, I think it's, Michael, it's an important area, I think, for all sports. It's important for us um, in particular because if someone puts a wager down on a race, um, then they're going to be more invested because uh, they've got skin in the game. And we've seen that repeatedly. The, the NASCAR handle last year with one of our um, gaming partners was up uh, 2,600%. So certainly a lower base um, than the NFL has for sure. Um, and part of it's just teaching fans how to bet on NASCAR because it's not as easy as, hey, what's the over-under? Or, hey, the spread is seven. or It's more difficult than that. Um, it's in some cases more akin to horse racing. Um, and so for us, it's a, a massive opportunity to engage um, a new fan and more frankly engage an existing fan. We see sports betting as exactly that. Um, you know, will there be revenue that will come with that? Yes. Um, but to me, it's more important that we are engaging that fan um, rather than, you know, the dollar, you know, pick up the dollar and, you know, put it in your pocket. So for, for us, we see um, sports betting or eSports, um, like iRacing or uh, the e, uh, e-NASCAR Heat Coca-Cola Heat Pro League that we have, these are important ways to engage the fan when they are not watching the race. And we think that actually will help that fandom and grow that fandom and have them be more engaged in, in what we do. Steve, uh, I love the broadcast of NASCAR. There's, there's nothing like it. I think it just, just blows away every other sport with cameras in the cockpit and conversations with the driver. I even saw a camera inside the, the brakes one time. Um, but a, a lot of other sports are doing things to reach out to fans. Um, baseball is trying to get the younger fan, trying to speed up the game. We saw Nickelodeon involved with the National Football League broadcast this year. Any innovations uh, or, 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 or chances or that you can share with us that might be coming up in 2021? Yeah, we don't have anything. And, you know, the Nickelodeon thing is interesting, right, because it's a Viacom-owned entity, and um, CBS was um, involved in that, obviously, because they're also Viacom. Um, you know, for us, it really is about, you know, we're concentrating on the product itself. Um, lots of technologies that we're looking at, um, you know, we work with Fox and with NBC, who are two broadcast partners, to continue to look at different camera angles. And I think you saw some things last year, um, the, the use of the drones and uh, with the broadcast, which was unique and different, started with NASCAR and then moved to, uh, to other sports. Um, and then just, you know, 
our NASCAR.com and, and that particular app that people can go to and just, you know, hear the scanners, you know, hear what drivers and crews are saying, um, looking at different camera angles that are unique and different that might not even be on the broadcast. Um, you know, again, different relationships that we have from a social media standpoint that are pushing out uh, things. The key for us is to make sure that it's compelling content that people are getting on the device or on the channel or on, you know, whatever uh, outlet they use that we are there. And that's an important thing for all of sports. It's certainly important for us at NASCAR. And so, Steve, I guess as we wrap up the, the conversation here, as you look to, to 21, to the 21 season, you know, and even beyond Daytona, what what's success for you, for, for especially from a business perspective in 21, in this very uncertain time? Like, what do you look ahead to? What do you share with us, you know, some of your kind of business side milestones here? Sure. You know, for us, I think it's a continuation of what happened in 20. Um, you know, it was a stated goal that we had during COVID, right, when we weren't racing, except for the iRacing that we had done, um, which was very cool on, on Fox. Um, the six highest eSports on television are all NASCAR races or through iRacing, um, which is was awesome. But during that time, a stated goal for us, we were going to steal share from other sports and entertainment properties, which is exactly what we did. Um, and that's what we're going to do again. It's, I believe in a COVID world, we do COVID better than other sports because of the competitive advantages we have. Um, and we're not going to apologize for that. That's a, that's a good thing for our sport. So I, can, I think we'll continue to see our ratings do better than other sports, frankly. Um, I think that we've opened up the aperture to an, an entirely new fan base, um, you know, a younger and more diverse fan base, which every sport wants. We are we are getting it, uh, which is great, um, and I think ultimately sponsorship will come back in a in a major way um, as new sponsors come into the sport. And we've seen that already. You've got you know a dozen new sponsors who are who are now participating in this sport. Um, you've got four alone on on Bubba uh, Bubba Wallace's car, uh, right. which is the Michael Jordan own entry. Um, that's exciting for us and. Ultimately, you know, when we get full grandstands again, you know, we own 12 racetracks, um, which we bought a, our sister company, which was a public company about a year and a half ago. And listen, the sport's healthier than it was, than it was pre-COVID. I believe that to be true in, on almost every front, with the exception of hey, we don't have as much revenue coming in through the gate. And that's okay, right? It, as the sport continues to grow, ultimately the money will flow on the backside. So, Steve, I, I want to pick up essentially where we left off in, in that last uh, bit of the conversation, you know, talking about some of the actions you've taken around social justice, because ultimately this is about an opportunity in many ways to build the audience, to grow the business in some ways. Tell us about how you do that, you know, whether it's technology, whether it's new ways of broadcasting, whether it's new experiences, when we are able to go back to the great venues where, where you run your races. Yeah, and for us, it's, it's about meeting, again, and meeting people where they are. So I think technology is, is a big part of that, um, whether it's technology at the racetrack or it's technology you know, while, while, where people are, um, whether they're home or they're, they're out somewhere, is to have them have access to our great sport. You know, I think 
we are really the the sport that was first and that used technology to kind of tell a story. And you think about all the data that spins off that car, you know, in-car cameras, telemetry, all the different things that are are part of our sport and have been part of our sport for such a long time. Um, but it's it's using the new technologies to bring fans closer to the sport that they love, and that's exactly what we're what we're doing. And so when we do get fans back in, you know, kind of elbow to elbow, if you will, uh, in the grandstands, in the garage down at pit, pit road, um, it's making sure that we continue um, the use of some of the things that we have, have learned during this COVID period and have them translate to a, a non-COVID world moving forward. All right. Steve Phelps, president of NASCAR. Thank you so much. This was a fascinating deep dive and uh, good luck this weekend. Of course, the Daytona 500 it is the Super Bowl of the NASCAR Cup Series. Sunday, Valentine's Day. Snuggle up with your Valentine. Watch some racing at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Steve, thanks so much. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Uh, hope to join you again soon. All right. So, guys, uh, Steve Phelps, obviously, really interesting conversation. Uh, and, and Michael Barr, I know you're a huge fan of this. You're a font of knowledge, as, as you just demonstrated in that conversation this is a sport that I feel like, I don't know how to put this other than to say, it feels like it is accelerating its evolution in some ways. You know, talking about technology, but also talking about representation, you know, both at the ownership level, at the driver level. I feel like, and, and I want you to keep me honest here, we may look back at 2020 as a year where NASCAR changed for the better in lots of different ways. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's it, Let me explain something a little bit about the evolution. Uh, in 2001, uh, the sport NASCAR changed forever, and it's the 20th anniversary of the premier face of NASCAR, Dale Earnhardt, and he was killed at Daytona. And everybody didn't know what to do here. I mean, what happens? Uh, but the sport evolved, and it continued to grow and grow and grow. And there was a peak around in the mid-2000s where it, it just went off like wildfire. Uh, then it dropped back down. And now it's in a rebuilding process. And I think, like you said, Jason, this is where it's going to rebuild. Uh, and more people are going to check out this sport again, and it's going to be a resurgence in it. Well, Lynchy, I mean, and we touched on it in the conversation. I think when you get owners like Pitbull and Michael Jordan in the mix, like that changes the way people look at this sport. You know, some people make jokes. Well, they only tune in to watch some of the pileups uh, on the on the broadcast. And now, if there's going to be just a cutaway or a two-minute sideline interview with Michael Jordan, that's going to bring a whole entire crowd and whole entire demographics to to watch this sport and to follow this sport yeah it it i think it's it's a really interesting uh moment and it was also interesting you know one of my other takeaways from this is listening to him steve phelps that is talk about kind of nascar in the the pantheon or in the lineup as it were literally and figuratively of the other major sports in 2020 and sort of holding on to some of those gains being able to work with sponsors being able to work with the teams uh and as you rightly pointed out bar uh you know from a an execution perspective 
driving in a car is one of the safer things you can do. I did not think about, until he brought it up, this notion of having to negotiate with the teams and with Goodyear around, all right, where are we going next? What tires do you need? And that's, you know, that's something you would know that I wouldn't know, Michael Barr. So, you you should have seen it the year when they, they had the tire wars going because yeah. at one point you had Goodyear going up against Hoosier. If that would be today, I'd like to see how that would play out. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right. It's time. I'm, I'm totally – this is – I don't feel good about this because – Mike Lynch for the number of the week. He's, you know, he's got a new hip. Who knows what that's going to do? He's Superman. He's Superman. Well, so, you've, been, anyway. you've been on it for the past couple of weeks, so you might get this one. Well, and I would also like to point out, Lynchy, because I haven't had a chance to mention this to you. This isn't a number of the week, but who said the Bucks were going to win? That was me. Mm. I think you right. used some, yeah. like, reverse trickery, though, because I, you even I said at the time, right? You were like, if I bet against them – they're going to win, and they did. So yes. you're probably taking yes. credit there. <laughs> nice strategy. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we are, and in tune with the Daytona 500, 1959. Uh, oh boy, Lee Petty won the first Daytona 500. What I want to know is how much was the entire purse? Oh, that's for a great that question. Race. The entire purse. Uh, now. Can you tell us what the purse is this year? Uh, I, I might be wrong on this, but it's the purse it was at first I, I saw it, I thought it was 2.3 million. No, it's 23 plus million for the purse that's involved wow. in the previous race. It's like, my goodness. That's a growing purse, to say the least. <laughs> yes, it's called growth. But I, so I'm the entire sure purse in 1959? Right, 1959. Wow. Uh, I I think this is probably low, but I'm gonna say a hundred thousand dollars. I'm gonna go um, one fifty. Well, you both are over, but really? it, but it it was only fifty three thousand fifty dollars. Oh, man, and I Lee said Petty. fifty. It, it you were you were you had it closer, but yeah. And Lee Petty won about twenty thousand dollars for that race in nineteen fifty nine. And now, as as we're wow. talking about, it, it's off the hook now. So yeah, listen, racing's big money, and it's a big business. And uh, I I think we certainly uh, took that away from uh, that conversation. All right, you've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. We're here each and every week for you at the same time, plus online wherever you get your podcast. Definitely uh, get to the feed because we had a very special week this week. In addition uh, to talking to Steve Phelps, a phenomenal conversation going deep on racing between Michael Barr and Kevin Harvick earlier this week. So be sure and download that to get your fix as you prepare for the Daytona 500. Our podcasts, they drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Jason Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. And don't forget, it's Valentine's Day, everybody. Don't forget.
Oh, you will pay. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at Lynchy WCVB. I've already got troubles, man. My wife said, well, we're going out to dinner, right? And, and I'm like, it's the 500. I don't know what to do. Uh, You're like, do I, do I say Daytona 500 or global pandemic? What's my excuse here? <laughs> By the way, Lynchy, you are a rough and tumbles man. You are, are you, you're still in the hospital doing this interview. Man. You are so Wow. Shades of Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Sunday, Sunday.